to show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off Mess Podcast. Almost stumbled and said the wrong podcast, but it's okay because you know where we're at for this week's episode. So just to kind of give a little bit of backstory here as I don't necessarily do themes or I, I used to try to do like things for the month or things for whatever. I don't do it so much anymore, but it just happens that, you know, in, in this pocket of weeks, I've had, you know, similar guests on uh, with, with, you know, similar backgrounds. So it's no different here. So my guest this week is going to be Luke um, Cotterill, and he's from the UK. And yeah. I, it, it's funny because I, I tend to record with, you know, different guests from Europe, but it's always fascinating to me whenever I get someone from UK on the podcast, because it's, it's like, like I've never done it before. So uh, thank you, Luke, for doing this. Welcome to the show. And how you feeling, my friend? Yeah, good. Uh, it's good to be here. I always like doing podcasts, and uh, this is my second podcast I've done. Um, and that was with an, uh, an American guy as well. So, yeah, it, it's always good um, to to speak to someone from the other side of the water. Um, and, yeah, it's just – it's good. I'm nice with it. I'm, I enjoy them. Um, it's good getting the, the word out there and speaking to someone. So, yeah, it's nice. Good, good. So, with – Having you on the show, uh, a big part of it is uh, we're connected through um, the previous guest, James, um, who yeah. has a stoma and is now doing jujitsu himself. And he gave a shout out for you and then, you know, told me right away, connect with Luke, you know, should have him on and hear his story as well. I was like, absolutely. I would love to. And, you know, here we are. So, you know, just jumping right into it. How long have you been training? Um, you know, I, I guess when it comes to training as well, did you have the stoma before or uh, before you started training or were you already training and then, you know, you had the transition and have a stoma, you know, operation and everything? Yeah. So uh, I'll go right back to the start, I guess, and sort of go as it was. Um so I I was boxing for I've boxed for ten years um, and I, I was I was doing that um, and just after my 18th birthday I transitioned over to MMA so I was doing a lot of MMA um, just training I never competed um, and I started to become quite poorly like just lots of symptoms like blood in my stool nausea um, just overall general fatigue just feeling really crap. Um, uh, I started going to the doctors and they were telling me that it was IBS, but I, it, 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 the symptoms weren't adding up. It was getting worse and worse for me. Um, I was still training throughout, but yeah, it was pretty horrendous. Um, and, uh, I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis a few months later, shortly after that. So I started training 2009, I uh, got diagnosed 2018 and then no 2015, sorry, I was diagnosed 2018. Uh, was when I had my ileostomy surgery. Um, so I was training when I when I had it, but um, I wasn't training in jiu-jitsu. Um, I was doing MMA. I was obviously doing a little bit of jiu-jitsu here and there, but it was never it was never constant. 
once I'd had the surgery, um, I was obviously told that the same as all of us, that you can't do this for a certain amount of time. You can't, you can't even lift a kettle for six weeks or whatever. So basically I was like, oh, well, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and one of my buddies reached out and said, look, like you've already done jujitsu. You probably shouldn't take a kick to your stoma because that's probably going to be pretty catastrophic. So why didn't you come and give jujitsu a go? Like you've already, you've already done a little bit of it. So maybe, maybe you should have a little go. And I went down, I had a one-to-one -one a year after my surgery, roughly. So September, 2019. Um, and I loved it. And I've been there ever since. And I've trained now. I think it's, it's going to be coming up four years in this September. Um, I got my blue belt in 2021, uh, which was massive. Uh, it was a massive step for me. Um, uh, I I never thought it was, I'd, I'd never get it. Um, I got a couple of stripes last year as well on that blue belt. So, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty excited for the future of my jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I just, yeah, I've I had my stoma pretty much throughout my whole jiu-jitsu journey so far. I'm not getting rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I was approached with that question once about um, if I would consider getting rid of the stoma. So I have a colostomy. Yeah. And but I've had it since probably well, since I was five. I, I had right. surgeries on and off before then, but around five or six is when it was like, all right, this is here for the long haul. And then in my teenage years, they're like, okay, well, you know, we can fix you now. We can make this right. And I thought about it. I was like, man, I'm I'm the new kid at this school. I'm weird already. Now you want me to, like, do this where I'm going to have to wear a diaper? Nah, I'm good. Like, I've yeah. already adjusted. So, uh, yeah. so essentially with you, it's almost as if um, – you know, your procedure kind of really pushed you more towards jujitsu because you're doing striking arts previously. And yeah. obviously you don't want to take a, a kick or a punch, you know, to the stoma that that would be devastating. And, you know, jujitsu, there's less of a likelihood that you're going to run into this issue. So with you, you know, kind of going through the, the transitions of, you know, just being told, look, you have, um, you know, ulcerative uh, colitis, you know, what was that like in your mind? Just kind of thinking, you know, just kind of away from just the sport itself, but just, you know, for you, you know, you know, what were you going through, you know, with those emotions? Yeah. Uh, so emotionally, uh, it was really difficult for me uh, at the time. I mean, I was I was 21 when I had the stoma. So 18 to 21 is when you're supposed to have the most fun, right? It's when you're supposed to be out drinking. It's when you're supposed to be doing all those things. And my whole life literally came crashing down. Um, I It was probably one of the darkest times of my life. Uh, when I look back on it, I generally don't really know how I got through it, um, especially considering... I mean, I, I probably... I was training a good year into my diagnosis, but the last three years before I had my ileostomy surgery, I, I couldn't do anything. I was in too much pain. I was having too many accidents. It was, yeah, it was pretty horrendous. Um, I, I went, I mean, weight wise, I think I was 75 kilos when I, when I finally had the surgery. Um, and now I'm a hundred, so you can tell the difference between healthy and unhealthy, right? Um, mentally though, taking away even like taking away the physical sides like just the mental 
strain on me. Like it, yeah. I I didn't think I was I was ever going to be normal again. I I I thought my whole life was over. And to be to be to be honest, there was points where I did consider like taking my own life just because of the the mental aspect of it. I didn't have anyone to talk to. Like I didn't I didn't even know know what ulcerative colitis was until I was diagnosed with it. I'd never heard of it. Um, so like on all my friends just thought, oh, it's all right. It's just, it's just stomach ache or it's just stomach cramps. It's not, it's, it's horrific. I mean, it's probably other than some of the more horrible conditions, it's probably one of the worst things I've ever, ever gone through um, or ever seen anybody go through. I've seen friends go through it now. Um, and it just changes your whole life. And yeah, it really messed with, my, with me mentally. I mean, even to the point now, like I'm five years since I had that surgery. And if I go anywhere new, the fir first thing I want to know is where the toilet is. And that, that stems from that original condition. Um, it's just a mental, mental thing that I have to know. It's just, I, I mean, obviously it helps when you have a stoma, but um, it, 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 yeah, it's what just, I think that's just because of the trauma that I went through and maybe the embarrassment that I went through when I was, when I was younger. I think that's, something that might be ingrained in, in a lot of us even though i've had this all my life that is the first thing i look for is you know i go anywhere i gotta look where's the bathroom and i don't have a lot of a lot of issue with it but for me you just never never know what's you know what could happen especially at, like you know if we go out to eat or something i think that's kind of my big thing because for me the food kind of runs right through and then yeah. I, gotta, I gotta be prepared so uh yeah i can imagine you know just you know difficulty going through that especially during those formative years you know those uh party years as as we would call them uh, in yeah. life. so but you know looking through your instagram and and you know kind of checking out and everything i was like i mean you know we're looking good we're looking good i mean yeah I went to see uh, my my uh, GI many years ago for the first time. I met a new one, and I walk into his office, and this was, you know, I, I was jacked. I was lifting weights and just looked like, you know, I was ready to eat another human being. And he looks at me. He's like, oh, "I'm sorry, uh, can I help you?" He was like, "Yeah, um, I'm I'm here to see, you know, Doctor So and So." He's like. And you are, and I give him my name. He was like, oh, 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 my goodness. You don't look yeah. like my regular patients. Like, my regular patients look like they just, you know, you know, got off a desert island and hadn't eaten for, for weeks, you know. like, And, you know, I think one of the things that worked for me, again, is I've had this all my life. So I've kind of grown into and have gotten used to. You know, as you know, just eating how I eat and and lifting and, and being active. Uh, for you, is there like when, when you started off, was there a specific diet or anything that you, you know, had to eat specifically or couldn't eat specifically? Um, so when I first initially had my stoma, they uh, told me I had to do a low residue diet, which I don't know if they do that in the US, but in the UK, that's kind of how they approach it, and it's basically anything that you would consider rubbish so like white food like white pasta white bread like all the stuff that's just really easy to digest like to be fair they even told me to like eat fast food a lot like mcdonald's and stuff like that just because it's easy to digest and that you're going to put on the weight um now uh, i have to avoid any like corns like sweet corn 
uh, popcorn or anything like that. Um, I had the unfortunate situation where, like, I think it was about a month ago now, I, I ate some peanuts um, and it landed me in the uh, the emergency room just because, uh, yeah, I got a big blockage and they were thinking that they were going to have to operate. Um, but I did eat like 500 grams of peanuts like an idiot. Uh, my surgeon, my surgeon definitely bollocked me for that. Um, and then, other than that, mushrooms, I have to be a bit funny with. Um, only not, I can eat them, but if I eat too many, um, I'm in a bit of trouble. But generally, I'm pretty lucky. I can pretty much eat a lot of the stuff that I couldn't eat when I had colitis. I couldn't, I couldn't eat anything. It was insane. I was literally eating butter sandwiches at one point just to try and keep food in. Like, wow. Yeah. When I was younger, I remember I could only eat like applesauce. And then, yeah. no, now to be fair, this was like the late 70s, early 80s when that was for me. Yeah. So, you know, they they didn't really know much of anything at the time. I, I feel like nowadays, you know, if a child is born, they're like, oh my goodness, you know, let's take, oh my God, what's going on? Oh, they, they have a, basically a blocked anus or it's not formed is what what happened to me my like my anus never formed my asshole didn't form so i couldn't shit um Jeez for Christ. those that are listening that are like oh my god we weren't expected to get into this kind of topic on the podcast well it's <laughs> That's what we do um but yeah it, like when i was little they were just scared they didn't know what what i could or couldn't eat so like looks applesauce seems to be the safest thing that you know that you know as i'm older not as a baby but like you know yeah. what i'm like in that you know two you know one through like three year old stage um you know they're like here you know give them applesauce um eventually i can start eating like big chicken when i got a little older and it was just like, God, man, this sucks. <laughs> it's like as a little kid, I like I knew this this was trash. I was like, man, applesauce again. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'm sure there's gotta be something else. But such is life. Um, but yeah, I, I think was it uh we're in twenty twenty-three, so seven years ago, um, I got really sick. I had a blockage, I ate a mango that wasn't ripe right. and yeah. it it got stuck and i didn't realize it you know I, and this was me kind of at the tail end of like doing this this uh this uh lifestyle change and fitness and like changing my diet so i was eating healthier and i didn't bring lunch that day so i ran up to the nearest market bought like a pre-cut pack of mango and i was like okay i'm, I'm doing good i'm gonna eat these mangoes and i'm looking i was like hmm something seems kind of funky about these but it's mango. What's the worst that can happen? The next day, my stomach's hurting a whole lot. I was like, damn, dude, this don't feel right. And I was like, okay, whatever, no big deal. Then the day after that, I was like, I'm in a lot of pain. Let's go to the ER. They they looked, they're like, oh, you're okay. You're fine. You know, you know, we see, you know, you know, there's a little bit of buildup, but I think you're okay. It'll pass. And then the next day, my skin is gray and clammy. I, I my wife was like, you look like you're you're dying and it, like at that moment you're on your deathbed went back to the er this time it was jam-packed so like the day before i was seen right away the next day i guess everybody chose wednesday to be that day that they all want to hit the er it's like wow it's kind of fucked but 
Uh, and, and my wife, she went up and she told him, I was like, look, I know there are people ahead of him. I get that. I'm not asking for him to get bumped ahead of anyone. Can we at least get this dude an IV or something? He is like, look at him. And they came out, you know, I'm like laying in the lobby on a bench, just curled up in the fetal position. My wife is fucking 39 weeks pregnant at the time, too. So yeah. it, it's like they looked at me and they looked at her. They're like, oh, my God, get this guy in the back. And um, they eventually, once they get me to the hospital, because they have to transport me from there to another hospital for some reason, they uh, took some scans. And they're like, look, you have a blockage in your um, intestines. And here are the options. We can cut you open and take it out. There's going to be some scar tissue. And then it's just going to happen again in about four years. Or we can put this tube in your nose and drain you. And I was like, go ahead and put the tube in, in my nose. And I'm thinking this is something they're going to wait to do, like, maybe, you know, an hour later. Nope. She pulled the uh, package right out of her pocket and was like, <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and put this tube right in your nose. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, shit. I'd like, what if I want to change my mind? Like y'all, y'all are like serious. And yeah. as she's putting the tube in my nose, I'm just looking at her like, girl, I will never forgive you for this. Like, I don't even know your name, doctor, but I'm angry. But that anger yeah. didn't last long because they were saving me. Um, but yeah, and my wife right. made fun of me because uh two days prior to eating the mango, it was kind of that cheat meal day. So I had a whole bunch of Oreos. Like I I I probably ate a whole bag of Oreos and she, my wife goes, Oh my God, if they see that you ate all those Oreos, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I was like, you don't need to be embarrassed. It's me. The one who, who's the asshole, but yeah. <laughs> it, it sucked. And yeah. mm, I, I was scared. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 when I was recently in hospital, they told me that I needed one of those tubes. Up my nose, and I was like, "Yeah, no, nah, you can get fucked. I'll die before you put that shit up my nose." Like li- literally, you, will, I, I will fight this whole entire hospital before you put that tube in my nose. And they were like, "Mr. Cottrell, if you don't have it, you, you're gonna need surgery." And I'm like, "I'll wait, I'll wait." And the the consultant came around in the morning, and he was like, "No, you didn't, you didn't need the tube." And I'm like, "See, tell that guy over there that I didn't need the tube." <laughs> and yeah. It's just like I was ready. I was ready to throw hands over that tube. I can't lie. There's, I, there's nothing. I, I've just seen so many horror stories of those NG tubes. Just like, and I'm I'm not having it. I never had to have it when I had my surgery either. So I just yeah, I just didn't want it. I had one. You know, being younger and just being in the hospital. You know, every so often I come out of surgery and I'd have a tube in my nose, and that was one thing. But to have that shit put in wide awake. <laughs> Like, it, you know, if I could go back, it'd be one of those like, look, I'd rather just risk it. Like, look, man, yeah. just go ahead and cut me open because, but yeah. it, it's because at one point, so there was a marker on the tube with a piece of tape and I didn't notice it. I was in the hospital for, I think, five days, I think around day three, one of the nurses, point, or no, the doctor came in and saw it and she goes, the tube. It looks like it's it's coming uh, out. We're going to have to push this back in. So uh, there's a nurse sitting there next to me. And, and I could see what she was saying because the fluid that was coming out, it was like initially all like black. It was like black. It was like brown. And yeah, yeah. now I could see the fluid that's coming out was not as it, it wasn't as much. And it was like a lot lighter. So I thought I was doing well. N- no, the shit wasn't in 
far enough anymore. So the nurse looks at me. She's like, okay, I'm going to just come over. And I was like, and I looked at her, I grabbed her hand. I was like, no, 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 I'm going to do this. And I just like, just started pushing it back in, staring at the doctor, like just that Dexter, like, I don't want to be here. I know you're saving my life. I get this, but this shit sucks. And I'm just pushing yeah. in like, I got to a certain point where they're like, okay, it's far enough. And I just kept pushing. I was like, fuck no. <laughs> like, I yeah, want to make yeah. sure it's in. I want to get out of this son of a bitch. And then um, when they went to put the tape back on, you know, kind of hold it in place, I actually put like some extra tape and leave a roll there too. Because I'm not, the, the shit sucks. I had the hiccups a couple times because of the tube. Oh, like, yeah. there was one night, it was so bad. Like, I had the hiccups for two hours. Jesus I started crying. Christ. Like yeah, I mate. broke down in tears. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. The hiccups are pretty horrendous as it is. Without two hours where I found the tube up, you know, it's like Jesus yeah. fuck. Um the, oh. yeah, there was just it was an experience that I don't want to ever relive. And when it comes up, because I posted it on my Instagram before uh, I had BJJ Wiki up up and running. And it comes up in the, the memories every so often. I'm like, fuck. I mean, yeah, fuck. It, it, it's also, it was a week before my daughter was born, too. So that, that's also kind of one of those weird, like, connections. It's like, no. Her birthday, yeah. hell, a week prior to your birthday, almost died. Because I, <laughs> and I haven't eaten mango since. No, mate, I'll never, I'll never eat anything with nuts in ever again. Scared. Yeah. I'm traumatized. They give me PTSD, those peanuts. Right. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with mangoes. And I used to love mangoes. Now my wife gets mangoes. Anytime my wife brings home mangoes, I just look at her like, really? That's what we're doing now? Like, are you mad Every at me? Past peanuts in the shop. My girlfriend's like, do you, do you fancy some nuts, babe? And I'm like, oh, fuck. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like, constantly, like, she thinks it's funny, but at the time, she was not laughing. <laughs> it, it's interesting how you know, we could have these types of um, experiences when it comes to, you know, like a horrific experience. And, and, you know, now you look back on it and I still look back on the hospital state as kind of like, man, that sucked. But, you know, you find the humor in it a little bit and try to try to smile and laugh. Um, just think about there was a point where my hip was hurting while I was um, on bed rest and I asked for anything to relieve the pain. So they put some Tylenol in my IV. I was like, okay, that that's simple, simple painkiller, you know, over the counter way to go. Now the recommended dosage time was like six to eight, every six to eight hours, about four hours in, I says, Hey, you know, my, I think it's wearing off. My hip is hurting. Like this shit sucks, and I was like, "Can I get some more of that Tylenol?" They're like, well, no, it's recommended we do it every six to eight hours, and right now you're at around just over four hours, but we can give you some morphine. And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, that's that's a little extreme. <laughs> like, like morphine. Like you went from Tylenol to morphine. Like Jesus. Okay, and the morphine was every four hours. So yeah. I don't know, man. But they pumped me up with some morphine, and then I started watching ice hockey." around midnight and let me tell you dude it was a blast i love hockey anyway but watching (laughs) hockey on morphine is one of my fondest memories of that time outside of becoming a parent a week later but yeah yeah. 
I was like, oh my god, this is great. I I didn't I don't even know who was playing. It was the playoffs. So yeah. <laughs> so for you and in, in your you know athletic life, uh, do you, were you doing any other sports besides just uh boxing uh, before? And do you do anything now besides just jujitsu? Uh, so I do. I back then I was just I just used to box or box since I was about nine years old. Um, uh, it's just been a constant thing in my life. Uh, I was bullied pretty horrifically, so my mum chucked me into boxing. Uh, but other than that, no, not really. I tried. I tried judo when I was a kid. Absolutely hated it. I got thrown on my head so hard. I was just like, yeah, no, nah, that's not for me. Um, and then, I, like I said, I did a little bit of MMA. Um, now, now I just do jiu-jitsu, to be honest. Like, I'm thinking about getting back into boxing and stuff. Um, but at the minute, I'm just kind of focused on jiu-jitsu. Um, I'm kind of focused about climbing that ladder. Um, hopefully, looking at that purple belt and the brown belt in a few years to come. But... Um, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I, I'm struggling a little bit with jujitsu lately, just uh, with a bit of motivation because I've been in hospital a month ago. Um, I'm just feeling a little bit fragile around jujitsu, so I've been I've been training about three times a week at the minute. But yeah, I'm just going for a bit of a stage where well, I almost I wouldn't say I fell out of love with it, but there's a little bit of that going on. Um, not quite a blue belt itis, but it's definitely it's definitely like some sort of. I don't know. It's, I think it's just more that everything that happened a month ago, being being really sick, um, it's kind of knocked my confidence a bit, maybe. Um, but yeah, at the minute, jiu-jitsu. I definitely get what you're saying. With the you're not out of love with it, but it's definitely, it's definitely you know, it's kind of a, a roadblock right now. Um, yeah. Like, like right now, I'm I'm dealing with my own stomach issues i'm not even sure what's going on and i'm in between insurances right now so people are like well go to the doctor it's like yeah it's not that easy you know yeah. like it, you know it, you know i'm talking to friends who are over in europe like you should just go to the doctors like yeah I, I would but i don't yeah, know if you guys know this about us yeah i forget that you have all that to deal with i mean yeah i don't know like I'm, I'm lucky that I had. I, we've got the NHS. Like, yeah. Ooh, in, in the way, in the, we're, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it, I've heard like kind of mixed things here and there. I have a friend. She's a. Uh, she's from um, from the UK, but she lives in Madrid right now. And you know, from time to time, she'll talk about. I'm um, using, you know her private insurance but she doesn't use it all the time i'm just you know in in like extreme situations and i was like well you know you know that's cool you know you do have the option there here i'm in between insurance just because i switched jobs and i picked up the new insurance and it was ready to go then my wife was like well can we move to this insurance through them and i was like fuck okay we can do that then since it's open enrollment and we can now make changes and then they're like okay everything kicks in on july 1st I was like, okay, so I could technically go to the doctor, but if I have to stay in longer, you yeah. know, the laps and everything, I'm sure it would all work out on its own, but it's yeah. like, you know what? I don't want to deal with the headache. Let me just power through what I have, what I know, and just, I'll, I'll be fine. But yeah, 
whatever. We're, we're like we're we're fighters. We're fighters here, Luke. We make it. Yeah, we're, we're 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 survive. Yeah. Um. So speaking of uh, you know, again, you know, kind of where you're at in jujitsu, you know, said you're kind of you know at you know kind of a not a plateau necessarily, but just kind of at a I guess crossroad maybe. Yeah. Like. Hey, you know, you're not, you know, the joke is always that blue belts quit. And, and the fact is, you know, jujitsu is hard. Lots of people. Yeah. I just not just blue belts. But, um, yeah, you know, where you stand right now with it all um, and, and trying to get back, you know, kind of into you said, you you know, you know, kind of had a medical scare recently mm. and coming back. Um did you think, you know, to yourself at any point during that scare, like, you know, oh shit, you know, maybe I'm not going to be able to get back to this or, you know, was it, you know, built in your mind? Like, look, no matter what, I need to get back to this. Yeah. So it helps that I've obviously got a really close friendship circle there. Um, so all my, all my buddies that I've got now, uh, we're all, we're all from, jiu-jitsu like even all my social life is jiu-jitsu based purely because everybody else that i've known before jiu-jitsu couldn't stick around long enough to see me either beat what i had or i don't know they all just didn't want to know um so that obviously kept me there um i think that a lot of the time that i feel like people quit blue belt most like most commonly is because i feel like it's the time that you've been there. i mean most blue belts we're talking four or five years for most blue belts and that's a long time to be committed to something that just is like i don't think people really realize the the level of commitment that it takes to do jiu-jitsu um and then they get that blue belt and they get to sort of the four year five year mark and they start thinking oh, I'm sick of this now, or I'm bored of this, or I want to go start something else, or a new hobby takes over, or kids come along, or all that. Do you know what I mean? There's so many things that can happen in four years. And for me, it's not really that anything's really happened. I had this medical scare, and it's knocked my confidence a little bit. Um, I'm finding the, the positions that I would normally be comfortable in, I'm not comfortable anymore. The like side controls and the mounts, I'm feeling like I'm feeling a little bit compromised in those positions where i normally wouldn't feel too bad um it's nothing to do with like anything that's going on at home it's nothing to do with anything that's going on at the club even it's more just in my head as a mental roadblock i've got a bit like you said like a like a roadblock like i just need to figure out how to get around it and the only way i can think of is just put in that mat time turn up on the days where i am feeling like training um, and just making the most of it um, and just hopefully over time that, that that roadblock dissipates and I can really focus on on that training. But I go to the gym occasionally and I do lift regularly. So it's not that I'm I'm going to be out of shape because I'm not. Um, I, I enjoy training when I'm there. It's more the mental aspect of getting there. Um, like if I'm having a bad day when I look at my stoma and it's peeling slightly, I'm like, I can't be fucked to change it, man. I'm just not going to train. Um, and I think people don't realise like the mental aspect of even like a simple bag change. Like it's like look, looking down and realising, oh shit, I'm not normal. Like when you've got a t-shirt on and you're having a conversation like we are now, it's quite easy to forget that it's even there. 
Um, and so many people that I meet don't even know I've got it. So many people that I roll with don't even know I've got it. And then when I say, they're like, what the fuck? You do this with that? And I'm like, yeah. So like, it's the situations like that, which really, to be fair, that's that's what kind of keeps me going, to be honest. It's the, the, the I'm one of the only people that do it. In I think I'm one of the only people with a stoma that trains in the UK. I'm, I'm not 100% on it. Uh, I would like to think that there's there's a there's probably a few, but not that are like socially talk about it. Um, I'm definitely one of the only people that that advertises that I do jujitsu with a stoma in the UK. Um, I would love to find more people. I would love to create some sort of like WhatsApp group for all the people that do jujitsu with a stoma, so we can all just be like, "Yo, this has happened today. Like, what? <laughs> like, how have you got? Has anyone felt like this before? Because." Like this is the first time that I've ever spoke to somebody that's trained jiu-jitsu the same sort of time as me and has a stoma. Like I've spoke to like some like white belts and stuff and that's fine. Like you're a blue belt, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's nice to be able to talk to like a fellow blue belt and just be like, yo, like, is it am I am I good? Like, is this like it's just weird because I've never I've never had that. I've never had that. Like everyone that I've ever met is either I've met a guy that's a purple belt with a stoma and a guy that's all, and James are the only two people that I've spoke to. Um, so it's, it's nice to talk to someone that's sort of in the middle. Um, yeah. And that's the thing when I opened up about it in 2015, I, I, you know, I just started training. I want to say about four months in, I put up a post because most people in my life, friends that I grew up with didn't know I had it. And I put up a post on Instagram of myself and my gi showing my bag. And I can't remember what it said. It wasn't anything inspirational. It was just like, hey, man, I got a colostomy and I trained jiu-jitsu. What's up? And, yeah. you know, I had a few old teammates from football message me. I was like, dude, you had that while we're playing football? So, yeah. It's like, I mean, again, I've had this all my life. So, you know, you grow accustomed to move in and maneuvering with it in place. So, you know, I, I never ran into any real issues, uh, you know, playing any sports. It was more that I ran into issues with, because a couple people knew who were younger. And, you know, when you're younger, people like to, you know, make little shitty comments. So you got to, you know, kind of defend, defend yourself on that. But it was never anything physical that I had to worry about. And uh, in 2015, I, you know, put the post up and I went on Facebook and found a few groups of like athletes with stomas and athletes with ostomies and, and things like that. And I'm in the groups and I'm looking around. I'm like, these are all people who run and who swim. Yes, they are athletes, yeah. but we're not the same. And yeah. there was one gentleman in the group. Um he he is from detroit michigan uh, which is where i actually was born and he boxed and he had a stoma and we got the talking and i was like oh my god like someone else that does a combat sport with the soma like yeah you know, i don't tell, tell me your ways like you yeah. must know more and especially because he's doing a striking art and i was like how yeah. how do you do that because 
I did kickboxing once. I I bumped shins with somebody and said, I think I'm done. I'm gonna go ahead and um <laughs> go back to jujitsu. Fuck this. Mm. But but it, it was it, it was nice to see a group of collective people all with stomas. It's just like you said, like it'd be nice to get a group of like people who do jujitsu or yeah. you know, wrestling or Muay Thai, Sambo, any of these things. And you know, honestly, he's like, once you said it's like shit, all right, I guess I got I got some work to do now. Let me go yeah, like figure something out in the next couple of days and, and put it together. See if I can, you know, get a collective together, you know, put you and James in there. I, I so I sent an email to IBJJF. Because I wanted to compete in the DC Open when it was here, but you can't wear a rash guard under your gi. Yep. And my coach was like, "Well, send them an email. Let them know your situation." So I sent them an email. They got back to me pretty quickly. I appreciate that. But they told me, "Nah, rules are rules. Put on a neoprene brace, and you'll be okay." Yep. And a couple things went through my mind with this. My first thought was maybe they've encountered someone else with the stoma and this was the solution maybe or maybe they don't know what i'm talking about yeah. just assume oh just throw this because i could put the brace on and I, I do actually train with a neoprene brace on now yeah, as an extra too. layer of padding but yeah. it's not the most helpful thing if i'm doing it like if i were to train without a shirt on under my gi it, it would yeah. ride up and expose the, the yeah. bag I'm a, I, when I, I haven't competed, I've competed, um, but I haven't competed under, under IBJJF. Uh, I competed under like private stuff and I've messed with the organization and they're like, yeah, no, nah, cool, man. Just wear your rash guard. Cause I, I wear a hernia support belt. Um, and that I wear that, then a rash guard and then my gi. And if I'm not doing gi, then it's just obviously the rash guard. Um, and I don't have any issues, man. But I could see, like, I, I've, I've said to my coach, like, if I have to compete without a rash guard, I ain't competing. Like, it's too, it's, there's too much risk there. Like, it can peel off. It could, I don't know. There's just, I, rash guard's a little bit like a comfort blanket, isn't it? Like, it's just a, that extra layer of security to know that your bag's not going to get ripped off. Yep. Yep. Like, for me, so I had one incident during training. For most times, I'm okay. But I had one incident, uh, my bag leaked. And I, I don't know. It was like kind of a blood-type mucus thing. You know, again, for the listeners, listeners, like, oh, my God, we didn't know what we were getting into. Look, man, you're almost 40 minutes into this. You should have known. Y'all should have known this yeah. me. But yeah. um, he got on one of my teammates, and he was kind of a dick about it, uh, you know. No, that was, you know, I didn't make any issue about it, uh, you know, you know, but I apologize, you know, at the end of class, we, this, we rolled pretty close to the end, but once class was over, I actually went over to him and was like, look, man, um, if you don't mind, send your, you know, I'll take your rash guard at home and I'll wash it. I, I feel really bad about this. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry. He goes, yeah, you, you know, if you don't mind, cause I mean, it, it was kind of a dick move and, um, and I was like, it was like, the fuck yeah like it like, was my fault yeah like i chose for <laughs> yeah you know my bag the fucking leak you fucking cocksucker so <laughs> you know and, you know later on you know like a week later so i'm talking to my coach because my coach at the time we were, we were pretty tight 
and I mentioned it. He was like, what the fuck did he say? And I was like, oh boy. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, like, no, don't, you know, you know, don't, don't fuck with him about don't it. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think he did roll with him. It was kind of a, a tough roll for, for the kid. Yeah. So, but the, the thing is, it's like, I know for us, you know, have having this, you know, there can be, you know, that the, those nerves and, and that concern and, you know, for, for the teammates that are aware of it, you know, at least on my, and I do appreciate those that are aware, you know, that they try to be like, you know, cool. Like I had one guy, once he found out, I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to do knee on belly. I feel so bad. And I was like, dude, just fucking do it. It's my job to avoid it. It's your job yeah. to, to, you know, get your points. It's my job. I'm not even thinking about the knee on belly on my stomach. I'm thinking about the points that you're scoring. I'm thinking yeah. about, oh shit, he's beating my ass right now. Yeah. But uh, had had you run into any encounters in your training where um, you had an issue and someone was, you know, rude about it or disrespectful in any way? Nah, like so. My my club. Um, so I was always I've always been really open, um, and everybody that I train with knows about my stoma. Every single one. Um, and since I've been training, uh, I've only had two incidents where my bags leaked. Uh, the first one. Uh, was when I was pretty new. I was a white belt, um, and a more experienced guy had mount, um, and he grapevined my legs and was hipping into my stoma, and the top, the top of my stoma just like popped like a frube, and uh, I was fucking covered in shit, man. He, it, it did. Luckily, it didn't go on him, but it went all up my rash guard. I think I looked like some. I've been run over by something. It was ridiculous. Um, and then the second time was. A couple of months ago, actually, um, I dropped back for a footlock position on a guy um, and he dropped for my foot at the same time as I dropped for his foot and his big toe like just went like onto my stoma. And <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And it fucking sucked. And uh, it like it like just like cut the like it must have just like pulled a bit of the glue off the side. And yeah, it sprayed up me. Um, it was on my chin and everything, shit, and it and yeah, um, and it was like it was like a compressed like explosion. It was impressive, um, but both times, both guys were super fucking friendly about it, um, and yeah, I've I've never had an issue. My coach Martin, I can't like he pushes me to be who I am, and he anybody that's a dick about it he would put in an early grave like literally like he i know that he would because he's that sort of he's supportive about it um and yeah i've never had an issue really um our, all our guys are pretty pretty good about it there's the odd person that might treat me like like i'm proper disabled and that that fucks me off someone will roll with me and they're like being super gentle and i'm like what the fuck mm -hmm. are you doing like if you're not gonna if you're not gonna roll properly with me, don't just don't bother. Like if you're gonna treat me like some sort of invalid, I don't want it. Um, but it's generally, when that happens, if you just up the pace on them, they up the pace as well. So sometimes you just have to prove that you're not special. I guess I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, tough because you don't want to obviously go so hard and then get injured. But at the same time, you don't want to you don't want to be that guy that people roll with and think, oh, we have got to be careful. Like I'd rather. Like you say, I'd, I'd rather you do something and it'd be my problem if I if I don't respond to it properly. Like knee on belly is one of the positions that none of us with a stomach, you just, it's just shit. It's literally shit. So you have to 
I've learned to defend it. Or if it, someone's going to knee on belly me, I'll just turtle. <laughs> Let them have yeah. my back rather than knee on belly. Like, sod that. You can take my back. I, um, I've become... Uh, I, I've gotten good at defending the back. Like, yeah, just because too. I don't want to expose my stomach. So, I'll yeah, I'll turtle up and give up my back just yeah. to keep that knee on belly from ever happening. And yeah. the occasional time it does happen... I'm still shifting. I'm still was like, as long as it's not like pinpointed, the knee is directly on the stoma. I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, that's it's good, good that you know your your gym and you know they're they're you know everyone's really cool about it. Um, at, at my gym, everyone who's aware is really cool. But I was just the one person who kind of stepped out of yeah. pocket but to be fair that person's kind of a dick to most people in in, in this weird like um I, I can't describe it but you know he's not well received and, and the thing is it's like as a teammate you know we we work well with them you know we want to encourage you know you know your growth and getting better but it's like you know we always say you know, on the mats, we're all equal in, in terms of like, you know, we, we don't worry about, you know, your political views. We don't worry about your, you know, your race. We don't worry about any of these things. We're on the mat to achieve one thing. And that one thing is for us all to get better at the craft that we're we're training. So, you know, but that that moment always comes to mind whenever I see them because it's like, you know, and I've rolled with them since. But it always comes to mind because it's like, you know. Don't don't be don't be rude about it. And you know, I do my best not to be rude to him. I'm always, you know, polite. So, and like yeah, like I said, when when it happened, I immediately, you know, went over after class, was like, look, dude, I'll I'll wash that for you. I, you know, I am sorry. Um, but you know, whatever. It, it exists. Um but some people are dickheads, man. You can't change that. But yeah, it's just it, you know, and, and that's just the thing, it's like we didn't choose well i guess to some degree we're you know we choose to like if they say hey you want to get this fixed and we say nah i'm good so we choose it in yeah. that way but we didn't choose to be made this way no no so it's not we don't have that control it's, it's not our fault that we got given dodgy bows as kids right it's not our faults that for some reason we were designed to have a fault some people have faults elsewhere, you know, like some people have faults in their brains. And luckily ours was only our guts. So I'm grateful for the fact that it wasn't something that was way more catastrophic. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm grateful for the fact that the surgeons were able to fix it. And and, and I can still do jujitsu and I can still do those things. Um, don't get me wrong. There's days where I sit there and I, I still, even all these years later, wish I didn't have it. I wish that I was normal, but this is my normal now and and unfortunately it is it is what it is and i have to get on with it but there there are days where i do look at it and i just go man i'd do fucking anything to have a normal ab like just a normal six pack would be fantastic instead of the one pack that or the two pack that i would develop if i lost the weight which i can't be bothered to do um it's just like um it, it yeah, it's it's infuriating when you do some movements at jiu-jitsu, like some like sometimes like things like sit up guard or or anything that involves doing a sitting up movement when you're on your back. I just struggle with because of the 
the core and I see I look around the room and everyone's doing it fine and I'm like fuck's sake like that's the sort of shit that gets to me or like sometimes I feel that I'm not as good as everybody else because of my stoma but then I always say to myself if you gave everybody in here a stoma you're probably going to beat them because you you've you you've got used to it um it's different it's different for everybody and I get that everybody has that thing that everyone has that past and everyone has a trauma these days um it's just sometimes you yeah you've just got to kind of look at what you've got and either move on from it or you you let it eat away at you until it becomes a real bad problem and i try not to do that with mine i try and i try and put a positive spin on it but yeah sometimes you just the dark bit of everything that's happened kind of overwhelms you doesn't it um and sometimes it can come quite tricky to overcome it um but I'd like to think that I am overcoming that now. Um, and I'm starting to look at the, the positive side of it. Well, I, I think with you, you know, again, sticking with jujitsu and getting your blue belt and you got, so you got a couple stripes on it now. I, I think you, you've, you know, gone beyond overcoming it. So there, yeah. you know, there were moments early on doing this. I had to question myself. And it was like, like, are you sure you want to do this? And then I stopped. I was like, dude, you've done so many other things. Like you've yeah. played so many other sports with this. Why is this the one? Why would this be the one that you quit? And it's like, is it because of the stoma or is it because jujitsu is hard and jujitsu is hard as fuck. So yeah. then that's where I had to tell myself. I was like, no, you're probably just bitching out because jujitsu is hard. Stick with it and get back to fucking training, dude. And that, that was, you know, my own pep talk to myself. You know, I'm not going to give that pep talk. I'm not going to, you know, tell somebody else that in, in that exact way. So, no, you know, no, I think that I think everyone's got that little that little motivation behind them. Um, I mean, my, my son's a big motivation for me uh, to keep going um, and especially to keep keep training because you never know what's going to happen. Um, you never know what's going to happen out on the out on the road. So it's good to have some sort of training behind you because you just never know. Um, there's that. And I need something to keep my head, to keep myself sane. Otherwise I might, I might end up in prison. Like <laughs> I need something to keep me. Otherwise I'm going to go mental weight. Like jujitsu is that thing for me. Like it's, it's the one time where you can just sit on the mat and everything goes away. All those stresses of the day, go away and i know it's really everyone that does jiu-jitsu says it and everyone that doesn't do jiu-jitsu thinks that oh you're just saying that because no it it's true like you sit on that mat and when you trust me when you're being strangled by someone you don't worry about your taxes like it you don't worry about that sort of shit when you're getting choked to death like it you don't and i i yeah i i, I do love jiu-jitsu and i don't think i'll ever quit because if i quit i'd regret quitting and I'd want to go back, but then I'd be scared to go back because I quit. So I just yeah. don't, I think I will just nod along until I eventually find that love again. Um, I don't think I've even lost the love for it because I think it's just confidence for me. Um, sure. Yeah. I, I, I think jujitsu, like you said, jujitsu is fucking hard. Like, I don't think there is a combat sport that is as hard as jujitsu, like in terms of, the length of time that you have to commit to the sport, like te a 10 years minimum for a black belt is insane. Like yeah. you think Taekwondo and karate, you can, you can be a black belt in the time. By the time we get blue belt, you can be a black belt in another martial art. Like that's legit. Like, so 
we're essentially black belts now and every other martial art. <laughs> every time I see uh, Taekwondo buses driving around, I'm always like, man, I almost did that once. I was like, I would have been a yeah. black belt. You know, if I if I given the time that I, you know, to that, that I gave to jujitsu, I, I always feel like, you know, not comparing to other martial arts, but, you know, when I think about them, especially, it's like I ask myself, you know, you know, how dedicated would you be? Like, how much fun would it be for you to do another martial art? It's like jujitsu. I think all martial arts, you know, have their place and, yeah, and they all have their puzzles. I think jujitsu yeah. is just that. And judo and jujitsu are those ones where it's like there's just there's just so much to it. And I think with judo, it's like the foot placement, you know, you know, it just um, you know, protecting your knees. I think that's my big fear of doing judo is just I'm worried about my knees. I don't want to get yeah. my knees fucked up. But jujitsu is like I know at the very least, you know, because you can incorporate some elements of judo into your jiu-jitsu game i mean it, it yeah. came from judo um you know to a degree so you know but at the very least it's like if we start standing it's like you know maybe i don't you know you know do a hip toss maybe i just shoot for a double leg or a single leg yeah. or you, you know or we could yeah you got options you don't have to throw someone through the air to get your takedown yeah. it's like you could or you could just sit down and just say, hey, come to me. I, my guard is not that good for me to do that. I've I've done that in training. I'll just sit down thinking, all right, I'm just going to sit to guard. And then I just get past. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why yeah. do I keep doing this? I mean, so. I have recently been thinking about starting judo. Um, I know I said I tried it when I was younger. I didn't like it. But, but generally, there has been the thought process going through my mind to just do to do it like once a week or something just to just to try and add a little bit of something to my game. I mean, I I generally use a lot of trips and throws as it is for my takedowns. I don't like big double legs or anything because I worry about hernias and stuff. Like mm -hmm. I quite like a little trip rather than trying to pick someone up and like throw them through the sky, but just a little trip. And it looks more elegant as well. And I like to think I'm an elegant guy. <laughs> I, I like a, a good inside trip every so often just to yeah. kind of mix it up. But then it got to a point where I just kept doing it too much. And people were like, oh, this motherfucker just does the inside trip. Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> just move your foot. It's like, damn it. I need more weapons. Like my yeah. single leg is dog shit. My double leg is non-existent. And it's like whenever I sit the guard or try to pull guard, cats just pass me. I'm like, uh, -uh. this is dumb. Um, yeah. <laughs> You mentioned your your son um, a few moments ago. Does your son know about your stoma? Like, yeah, or son. like, does he have like you know? Because my daughter asks about mine a lot, and I don't really go into a lot of detail just yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, he see me change it, um, and he's been there. He's visited me in hospital and stuff. So he, he I mean, he's been there right from the beginning. Um, so yeah, he he calls it a poo bag. He says, Dad, my daddy's got a poo bag, which is great when we're out in public. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's 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 got his own little way about him, about it. I mean, he's four, so I don't know. Does he understand it? Probably not. But he knows that I'm different and he knows that I don't poo out my bum. So he knows that it comes out of my belly. So yeah, he knows. Um, and he knows I can't eat nuts either because of my my partner's said to him what well, can't daddy eat? and he goes nuts <laughs> so that's another little running joke that they have about the blockage that i had a few weeks ago 
Well, that's good. It, it's, I mean, I, I wish we would have. I mean, my daughter, like I said, she's aware of something going on. She doesn't fully know yet. I, I think she asked the other day just because I've been having some issues and a lot mm. of pain. And I, like, I, I could barely move the other day. Like, the, even, even just sitting up, like, and, you know, she was, she was really sweet. She come over, she wrapped her blankie around my shoulder and like, you know, rubbed my back. I was like, you okay, dad? I was like, yeah, honey, honey, I'm, I'm fine. It is just give me a second. Um, and I always wonder that about, you know, how to approach that when it comes to having a stoma and having children, because, you know, on, on one note, it's like, like you said, your, your son's four. It's like, does he, you know, does he understand it? Maybe not fully, but, you know, he probably gets the, the, the basic concept of it. Like, look, dad does things different than me. Like, yeah. I don't even know if my daughter even acknowledges the fact that I don't go to the bathroom. It's like, yeah. She's probably never noticed, like, hey, he doesn't go to the bathroom for an extended amount of time. He goes in the bathroom and, you know, pees and then he's out. Like, maybe she's like, maybe he does it in secret. Maybe he does it when he's at work. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what goes yeah. with her seven year old mind. She, she's like, she's a character. So I don't yeah. know. Um, so um, one of the things that James had mentioned to me about, uh, you know, reaching out to you was uh, Goose Without Guts, your uh, YouTube yeah. uh, channel. Uh, so, you know, tell me a little bit about that and just, um, you know, what, what even kind of sparked that idea to, you know, come through for you? Um, so originally Goose Without Guts was, uh, wasn't, wasn't what I intended my YouTube channel to be. My YouTube channel was originally, um, it was just going to be like vlogging. Um, it was going to be like, I was vlogging car stuff. I was doing just like, uh, it was a, it was a platform for my photography business originally. Um, I don't do that anymore. Um, I sort of, I hated it and everyone on in the UK seems to be car photographers. Um, so what I did was I came away from YouTube for about four years and I just thought, what, what can I, what can I turn this into? What can I develop? Um, and I came up with, so my nickname at jujitsu and pretty much through life and in college was, was goose. Um, and that was cause I run like one funnily enough. Um, apparently I don't know how goose runs, but apparently I run like one. Um, and my best friend in, in uh, high school, um, we went to his mum's birthday party as Goose and Maverick once. Um, so I, I, I just got Goose nickname from there, and it stayed with me for the last twenty odd years now. Um, yeah. It then I sort of sat there and said, "What can I do?" And someone said to me that um, that I haven't got any guts, and I was like, "No, no, I, I guess I don't." And then. I sort of put the two together, goose of outskirts, and I thought that it would be a funny, funny way of kind of raising awareness for it. Um, and uh, I was told that I needed a brand to be to get out there, to get out there on Instagram and to get out there on YouTube. You need to kind of have that brand. Like, you're not just your name. Like it needs to, like you've got off the mats podcast and the other podcast as well. Like you, you, you have to have that brand. Um, so I. I sort of thought, oh, do you know what? Let's give this a go. Um, and I changed it. And now my YouTube mainly focuses on jujitsu and the build up to competitions and like what I do to prepare for like just day to day stuff. Like it's just, it was more an idea of 
in a few years time i can look back on it and realize oh shit like look at the fuck what i did um and it's not it was never really that i wanted to be a youtuber um it was more for personal somewhere to keep all the memories rather than my phone um i would like to try and vlog and stuff more but at the moment i'm not really doing a lot to vlog um so when when competition comes up like recently i had a comp back in may and i did a few vlogs leading up to that um i didn't vlog on the day of the comp though which i should have really but i didn't um and then yeah and then the uh, youth had a look on my instagram again that's just to raise awareness um and it's it's quite i i quite enjoyed turning it into like a motivational thing um to try and get other people that have got it doesn't even have to be stomas just any sort of medical condition look to to chase those things that you want to do don't give up just because you've got that that condition um so my youtube channel was a lot of that and i think i i do enjoy doing it to be honest i enjoy the editing um and re-watching my day i know that sounds bloody ridiculous but re-watching something and having a laugh again at the things that i've already probably laughed at is quite nice um, and you probably get the same from from the podcast, like re re listening to that conversation, actually going, oh shit, that that was quite good. Um, so yeah, I I, I just kind of I, I really enjoy it, um, and I will I look forward to it more as as the time goes by. I think. Okay, good, good. The, looking at it, you know, I think there there's definitely a unique um, thing to it because you know just in your preparation in itself, you know, considering you have the stoma, you kind of have to, you know, you know, work around, you know, or into your, your, you know, daily life anyway. And it's like, not that that's like the biggest aspect of your prep or the biggest aspect of, you know, your being, because I think that's the thing too. It's like, you don't want, you know, something to become just your identity. It's like, yeah. oh, here comes Luke, you know, with his bag. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, well, here comes Luke, you know, the badass blue belt, you know, who also yeah. happens to have a bag. Um, but I, I think even still, you know, that that reaches, though, because, yeah. you know, I, I did a video, you know, early on and it went on our gyms YouTube. And that's how James stumbled across me years ago. And it's like, you know, someone's looking, someone's watching, you know, you know, we may not think it's, but someone's watching. Even when I do these podcasts, I'm like, wow, people listen. It's like, yeah, huh. but it's really feeling like to actually, when you actually look at the numbers and stuff, you're like, oh, actually people do, do, do like it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get very surprised at times where it's like, you know, when an episode does really well, I'm like, oh my God, like why like you know there's some yeah. episodes that that are like you know like at the top of the list i'm like really that one like dude do you hear my how many mistakes i made during that one maybe that's why it's popular like listen to this guy yeah. fuck up um <laughs> but that's good <laughs> yes that's true true <laughs> um it's good you know just seeing you know your your you know, like you said, raising awareness and, you know, just being active, just in the ideal of, yeah. of just, you know, letting people know it's like, no matter what you got going on, you know, don't let it stop you, you know, yeah. you know, whether it be, you know, you have a stoma or, you know, you have, um, 
you know, and it's easy for us to say, you know, it's easier said than done, but it's like, you know, find it within yourself to, you know, really push through. That's the yeah, key. I mean, I, I kind of live, uh, I live by a couple of, of sayings, one of those being that the sun will still rise tomorrow. So regardless of how shit your day has been, the sun is still going to come up and it will go down again the next day. So just live, live in the moment and, and, and really focus on, on the fact that you're not going to be here forever and that i got given this opportunity to be almost get this second chance because let's be real without these stoners we we probably would be dead um and i mean i know i definitely would have been um so i just yeah the sun will still the, the sun will still rise tomorrow um and then the other one is this too shall pass and that that is a positive and a negative so anything positive will pass and anything that's negative will also pass um, and yeah, I think that it's quite important to have those little, those little mementos, um, to sort of, to remind yourself, yeah, no, no we, we push through, um, and we look, we look at, we, I, I mean, I always look at the, the negatives in life and the, and I try not to, but I always focus on those and I generally forget about the positives. I generally forget that I've done all these things, um. But but yeah, I think I think that's normal for everybody. Um, I I just sometimes I get lost in the negative and forget about the positive. And my girlfriend's very very pushes me for the positives. And quite frankly, I I'm very grateful for her. Um, without without her, I I don't know if I would still be pushing for it. I mean, she pushed me to train yesterday, um, and she she's very very understanding, very supportive, very supportive. I know she hasn't got a gun to my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to, good to have that support system there that that in the moments where we may not believe in ourselves they believe in us and i think that is an absolute um important thing to have in anyone's corner so good so luke i think that's a good spot to to wrap up on uh Thank you for doing this, man. I, I do appreciate it. And thank you for your patience with, uh, you know, rescheduling and everything and, and getting here to this moment. So I do appreciate it. Before we get out of here, do you have any shout outs or mentions you'd like to drop for us? Uh, yeah, obviously, I'll shout out my my YouTube. Go give it a follow. Uh, it's Goose Without Guts. Um, my gym um, is Isle of Wight Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Submission Grappling. Um, they i i can't if you're that ever in the uk and you ever come to the isle of Wight, come visit us uh friendly club very supportive and the head coach is great um and yourself like if you if you're listening and you don't know who offer matt's podcast is give them a follow and make sure you listen to everything else that's below well thank you thank you i appreciate no that oh. and as always to all our listeners thank you I do appreciate everyone who tunes in. I appreciate everyone who is just there, who supported the podcast. We're coming up on three years, dude. And this is yep. crazy. I didn't think we were <laughs> going to get through two months. I had yeah. guests falling out and, and, and like not showing up on a day to record. And I was panicking. So I didn't think we would make it past two months of recording. But here we are coming up to three years. So everyone... I, I can't thank you all enough. Um, thank you. If 
you all have any questions, concerns, criticisms, anything, feel free to reach out. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram. You can find me at Off The Mats Podcast on Instagram. Uh, you know, if you stumble upon this podcast and, you know, you're like, you know what? I like scary movies. Go check out my horror movie podcast or uh, yeah, podcast and Instagram. So you like horror. If you're looking for it on Instagram, all the words separated by underscores. Um, but thank you, everyone. Um, I want to give a big shout out, as always, to our crew over there at Nerve Age Radio. Um, Bobby, Chris, Joe, Marilyn, Phil, you know the crew. If y'all, if y'all been listening to this, y'all know. Because I'm going to be honest, sometimes I, it, like there's too many names, so I forget. So you all probably know I don't. You know better than me. But shout out to those guys. If it weren't for them, I wouldn't be doing podcasts. And I uh, want to give a big shout out to... Um, my other podcast, So You Like Horror. If you're into scary movies, go check it out. Uh, I, I'm not even sure where we're at in, in the chain of anything. We've been doing horror, horror by the decades. I know the 80s is a big one that's coming up where it might be done by the time you hear this. Uh, we got the 90s coming up as well. We're about to get, get into it and get to current times as well. Um, so yeah, go check that out. And we have another podcast. It's called the Colompton Beer Club. We review beers. I'm going to be honest that it, we we review the beers, but really all we do is talk shit. We'll just talk about current events and sports. So the, the beer review is probably out of the two hours of that podcast that you may listen to. The review is probably about 20 minutes between the three beers we review. So you're doing about, you know, two hours of us just yammering about nothing. Um, so go check that out. If you're into it, it's called the Clompton Beer Club. Go check us out on Instagram as well. Sometimes the memes aren't necessarily for everyone, but if you like, you know, laughing at goofy shit, that's what I got over there for you as well. Um, so, yeah. And also last and big shout out here to my guest, Mr. Luke Cotterill. Cotterill? Yeah. Yep. That dude. Yeah. Yes. Close <laughs> enough. Got it. Um, big shout out to Luke here for, you know, sharing his experience and his story with us here on the podcast and be sure to go give a follow to Goose Without Guts um, on YouTube. I, I went in, uh, followed it because I was doing my own little spying. So I was like, well, if I'm going to spy, I may as well, you know, give the man a follow and a subscribe as well. So make make sure you all are um, checking out his journey and, you know, just being there for the positive message that he's expressing to all of us. Uh, you know, I can't thank you enough, Luke. Thank you. No, thank you for having me, man. It's been great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also to everyone, I love you. You guys keep listening. We're going to keep making these shows. Thank you, everyone. And goodbye. They poison. Now let me see his song.